I want to ask you questions. You got you to gotta represent. Uh, is it fun to win? Why, why is it fun to win? You get bragging rights. I think this cuts to the heart of it because you get to, you get to uh, lord your superiority over, over other people. She said that while surfing the web, which is just like <laughs> as millennial as you can be. Multitasking. People over 40 can't do that. That's astonishing. Uh, wh why else is it fun to win? Because you get a prize. That's the acquisitive Pareka child over there holding it down in the corner. Way to go. Yeah. What else? What, what, makes, what makes it fun to win? I'm sorry? The joy of it. Now we're getting spiritual, which is, which is kind of more boring. Um, all right, a separate question, separate question. I know some of you guys are really athletic. Uh, how do you play to win? How do you play to win? What do you do to win? Technique. Not a girl. What else? Practice. Yes. What else? Come on. What do you got to do to play to win? Hustle. Yeah. Effort. Yeah. Hustle, hustle, and, and muscle. Um, all right, you guys, you guys can sit down. Way to go. Um, who's, who's better at, at playing to win, kids or adults? Adults, what do you think? Who says, who says adults? Who says adults are better? Rochelle? Like two adults? Well, let's find out. So, so uh, th I, those of you who, who raised, your, raised your hands uh, for the adults, uh, come here a second. We'll take, we'll, take, we'll take these three. Where are the guys? Can we just agree that guys are wimps? All right. So uh, here's, a, here's a spoon for you. Who's, who said kids are better at winning? Oh, yeah. Well, I figure Andrea would be up here. Yeah. Come on up, little guy. Yeah, come. Gabriel, you gotta, you gotta represent, kiddo. All right, here's, here's your spoon. Uh, so we're gonna start here behind the carpet, right? And we're gonna have a relay, one at a time, and we're gonna race around Auntie Sonia, who's gonna stand down there on the red line. Oh, the, yeah, there are cords and there's all sorts of stuff. These are obstacles. All right, and what you're gonna do is you're going to race walk as fast as you can with the, with the spoon in front of you. What? Not, not an egg? So an egg. We're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna use an egg. So here's yours. And, and here's yours, Auntie Rochelle. Uh, no, no hands. All right, you gotta get over there behind, 
behind the carpet. And sometimes you have to, you have to. So, uh, you guys, you guys better like, because you're gonna, you're gonna trip them, and it's gonna be ugly. So let me ask you, like, what? How do you play to win? Technique, hustle. Okay, I will accept that. All right, let's go, everyone. Give him some, give him some props. What, what do you get? What do you get if you win? And prizes. All right, ready, go. It's getting competitive. It's getting competitive. Oh, it survived. Nice handoff. Uh, look who is barefoot. Gabriel takes the inside. He's using a size to his advantage. Oh, I like that. I like that grip. It's going to come down to who's got speed on the stretch. With Jenny, is that it? Ah. All right, kids, I think, I think the kids won. Any rhyme or reason in this, Auntie Sonia? Go ahead, reach in there and grab something. Oh, it's selective. Jenny gets the leftovers. I like this. You can have the bag. Jenny cashes out. All right, excellent. Here you go, think fast. They were hard boiled. Because how do you play to win? No, you cheat. You hard-boil the eggs. You do whatever you have to do, people. Have I taught you nothing over the years? You play the angles. You go outside the lines. Cheating, of course, is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, but sometimes you win. You have to do what's not expected. I have a warm-up question for the adults if you're visiting today. It's our blue water tradition to kind of warm up with a question. Adults, roll your shoulders, crack your knuckles, massage your temples. How do you win at life? How do you win at life? A small question to start the day. How do you win at life? You don't give up. Oh, you don't win. Jameson is going conceptual. What do you do then? If not, win. You try. There's a sermon in there somewhere. You don't give up, I heard. What else? What do you, what do you have to do to win at life, Joe? You have to start with what you value. Interesting. 
So you have to have, uh, you have to know what you're, what you're navigating by, what your targets are, something like that. Brilliant. What else? Yeah? Think about your thinking. That hurt. <laughs> Got to think about your thinking. Uh, something about uh, being aware uh, of, of what's going on you, I think, and what's going on in the world. Great. I think Billy Joe had? Persevere. Persevere. Yeah, good. You need perspective. Perspective on what? Okay, if you're faced with a certain situation, you've got to be able to shift your perspective, your mindset. All of these are really great life skills or techniques, as uh, Andrea would say. You need to, uh, to kind of apply a little uh, technique tonight to, uh, to life. That's how you win at life. Now, we've uh, been doing a sermon series on uh, what we've called the way. In the early days, uh, the, the first generation of Christians... Uh, had experienced the life of Jesus and, and Jesus on the cross and the resurrection and then been commissioned by the Lord pretty much to go out and change the world uh, in those first days, according to Scripture. You know, there weren't many. There were like 120 or so Christians or, or um, what would become, come to be called uh, Christians. And, and after Jesus had ascended to heaven and they were kind of faith with, faced with the rest of their life together following the way of the Lord, they had to come up with a manner of, of thinking about what to do. And so they, they started processing. And we've been kind of studying what they do and how they thought about it. They did not call what they did a religion. They did not even call what they did a faith. They called what they did simply the way. Uh, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way that we're going to do the rest of our lives. Uh, this is what we've got to accomplish. This is how we're going to uh, accomplish, it, accomplish it. And they had something that they were trying to win. They were trying to win eternal life, which is to say they were trying to win the victory that Jesus had won for them to secure uh, the prize, and in this case, the prize is to live forever, which I think we can agree is a fairly decent prize. Eternal life on the scale of one to ten, where does that rank in things that you can be awarded? The answer is 11. It was not a trick question. You just had to be enthusiastic. Um, and, and the thing is, this is a funny way to say it, but I think, you know, we've learned that the way to win through to eternal life, the way to secure what Jesus has won for you is to win at life, to, to, to live life a certain way. We've been talking about that, you know, to, to, uh, to apply yourself in faith, to follow the Jesus mission, and to continue through to the end, as we talked about last week. Uh, so uh, you do not, uh, as, as Paul says, as the author of Hebrews says, fall away, fall out of the race, which would be a, a terrible thing. The trophy is eternity, but the substance of, of a good race is, is, not the, is not the trophy. Our job is not just to envision eternal life and to sit in a chair, fold our arms, and hold to our belief uh, until we die, uh, just like the object of running a good race is not to envision the gold medal and to 
sit at the start line and not move. No, we've got stuff to do. There's a path to follow. There's effort that needs to be made. There are techniques that need to be applied. Not that we earn eternal life, but we earn our way through the end. You know, faith gets tested. We have a purpose to life. Life is not to exist. Life is to fulfill. Anyway, we've been talking about all of that stuff. Um, I, um, I had this, uh, this important life epiphany uh, when I was uh, a young adult. Uh, I had, uh, you know, I'd been a, a believer, a follower of, of Jesus uh, for all of my young life. And then uh, I got to college. I was uh, hanging out with a pretty good uh, fellowship with people who were serious about their discipleship. And, and I just remember one day thinking a, a new thought. It was a crazy thought that this discipleship, this, this business of following after Jesus is not just something that you could do. It's not just a choice that you make. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian now. But it's something at which you could be excellent. It's something at which you could actually be great if you applied yourself to it. And maybe that doesn't sound like a revolutionary thought to you. And I remember I was meditating on, on various Jesus teachings uh, where he says things like, um, he who wishes to be greatest among you must be the servant of all, must be the least uh, among you. Uh, that one way to excel at being a disciple is to excel at serving a maximum number of people, kind of lower yourself in the eyes of the world. And these sorts of teachings got the juices flowing in me. You can be an excellent disciple, just like you could be an excellent student, which is something that I was really passionate about back in the day, just like you could be an excellent athlete. And that's what Jesus calls us to. He doesn't call us just to coast through life. He calls us to kind of, well, as we will read in a minute, as Paul says, to run the race as though to win. Not just to jog your way through it, but to go after it. You know, one thing that helped me was, again, digging into Scripture. Back in those days, my college days, I had positive peer pressure. I was around people uh, intensely, maybe for the first time in my life, who were really committed to being excellent disciples, and that rubbed off on me. You know, there's negative peer pressure and there's positive peer pressure. I got into it, you know, I, I got into it. And I remember in those heady days of pursuing excellence and discipleship for the first time, they were immediately followed, my, my positive peer pressure was immediately followed by peer rejection, <laughs> you know. I immediately experienced some of the challenges of fellowship, which was immediately followed by some huge personal changes, which immediately matured me in my ministry. And suddenly, the race was on. Do you know what I mean by that? I felt like in my life, the race to the end was on. I felt like I was really running uh, the race set before me, as Scripture would say. When I say race, what do you think of? Track, going fast. I'm a very competitive person, uh, so I automatically ask myself, race against what? Like if you're racing, what are you racing against, right? Anyone? You know, because I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna trash talk and I'm gonna throw elbows and I'm gonna do what I need to do. 
uh, race against what? And that, that was something that I asked myself in life uh, in a way. Race against my peers? I want to be a better disciple than you? Well, no, that's not exactly right. Actually, in this race, I want to make you the best disciple that you can be. It's really interesting. Uh, no, I feel like it's a race against, against the clock, right? I mean, that's what life is, is it not? It's a race against the clock. You only have so much time, and the deal is you don't know how much time you have. So you better race. You better go for it. You better cover as much ground as you can. It's a time trial. Those of you who are actually in track or cross country or something like that, you're used to time trials. You know, you've got so many minutes. Run as fast as you can in that amount of time. We'll see how you're doing. It's a time trial. Uh, your scripture uh, today, you'll find in your program. It'll be up here on the big board as well. You can follow along in your smartphone Bibles. It's from 1 Corinthians 9, and it's a great uh, scripture, I thought, to kind of end our sermon series on the way, A to Z. We've talked about some of the things that go into living the life of faith well. Um, and this is really kind of about attitude and approach. It's kind of a famous passage. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Only one gets the trophy. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Some of your translations will read, run in such a way as to win. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That's eternity. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't just feel my way through it. I don't just go through the motions. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, throwing punches without targets. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Some aspect of discipline there, a blow to your body. Some of your translations will say, I, um, um, I, I strike my body or even pound my body. It's just, you know, you shape your body into what it needs to be. I go uh, into strict training uh, somebody said, practice in order to run the race so as to get the prize. What does strict training mean, you suppose? When I think about strict training for, I don't know, like an athletic event, Paul is using an athletic analogy, which he often does. He must have been a fan. What, it, what goes into strict training? What do you think of? Discipline. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the word that disciple comes from. I know that. What else? Sacrifice, regularity, consistency. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's meant to be a meditation, as all metaphors are. Uh, when I read the phrase, you know, strict training, if you, if you want to really win this thing, I mean, if you want to be a prize winner, uh, you have to, you know, apply yourself every day with a great degree of discipline, which means to me that I don't get to feel my way through it. I don't get to wake up in the morning and decide, well, what am I comfortable with today? 
what feels right today. Because if you do what feels right, you are not disciplining yourself, right? You're indulging yourself. You're permitting yourself. You're comforting yourself. And, and Paul is saying, yeah, that's not really the way uh, to do it. You have to, you have to have some sort of consistency. You can make adjustments as you go through life, as all athletes do, as all competitors do, but you have to have a plan. You have to have a regimen. You have to. Otherwise, you drift. And we know from our recent sermon series that if you drift, you die. That's really how Satan defeats us in life. Satan doesn't defeat us by stopping us all at once. Satan defeats us by getting us to stop an inch at a time, to drift an inch at a time, and all of a sudden we're running the wrong direction. It's a slow, it's a slow boil. Um, and so the life of, of discipline and application and, and focus, I think, if you're going to go into strict training, he was talking about the early version of the Olympic Games. He was talking about Greek athletic games here, uh, and they would happen you know, once a year. Um, and uh, it was a, a national uh, competition in places where the Greeks, you know, colonized and influenced. It was even an international competition sometime. So high-level competition he was talking about. Uh, and if you're going to win at something like that, you have to become a bit obsessive about it, right? Have you ever met a really high-level athlete? They have to be a bit obsessive about what they do. You know, a little, a little over the top, a little too extreme about their lifestyle, uh, what they apply themselves to. You'd have to eliminate some things. You'd have to cut away some things. We talked about that in this sermon series, didn't we? Uh, the essential skill of believing is deciding. And deciding literally means to decide, to cut away things on the side. That's where the word comes from. Uh, the word decision means technically elimination. It's cutting away any number of things so that you can choose the one thing that really counts, the one thing to really focus on. And if you're in strict training for something, oh man, you know, there's a lot of elimination that goes on. There's a lot of things that other people do that you cannot do. Uh, if you want to win the prize, that is, you know, you train your mind along with your body. You program yourself uh, to be tough. You program yourself to stay focused. You train your capacity, but you'd also train your attitude. You'd probably get a coach if you were really intent on winning some sort of athletic prize, and you'd probably get yourself a training group, right? People to hold you accountable and to work with, to push you. You know, those of you who do run, I happen to know there are some distance runners in the crowd because I help coach them, right? Do you run faster at practice or do you run faster in races? Races. Why? Well, because you're, you're running with people who push you, right? Is it brings things out of you that you wouldn't otherwise get out of you, you know? Um, we read in the epistles, um, depending on your translation, encourage one another in the doing of good works. I think the NIV now renders it, spur one another on in the doing of good works. But I like some of the older translations that say, compete with one another in the doing of good works. I think that captures it nicely. 
because it's in like competition, even if it's friendly, well-focused competition. You know, like, hey, I managed to do this. I bet you could pull it off even better. You know, that's how we get the best out of us, and I think that's what the church should be like. You know, when we share testimonies and spur one another on. Spurring is not comfortable. Um, anybody ever ridden a horse with spurs? Horses don't particularly like it. Um, and you'd pound your body, you know, so as not to be disqualified before you reach the end. You don't want your body to betray you, in other words. Your fleshly appetites, your worldly appetites, you know. It's a lot of fleshly discipline that would go into it. You wouldn't want your thirst for comfort to ruin things just before the finish line, you know. So you have to pre-commit to discipline. It's a great analogy uh, for meditation, you know. There are different ways to run the race of life. You know, you could run to survive. You could run just to reach the finish line. Or you could run to win. And it's an entirely different mindset, right? It's an entirely different mindset. And Paul is saying, please, you know, run like a fierce competitor because you're running against the clock. You know, you're running against the clock. You've only got so much time. How many of us run just to survive? You know, how many of us run just to, just to keep moving? I mean, I'm, I asked that question seriously. I thought this would be a good day just to, just to do a meditation on it. Are you running to win or are you running just to finish uh, the race? Uh, I do kind of uh, volunteer coach uh, part-time uh, with my kids' uh, team at school and uh, I do uh, distance running. And the thing about distance races is that if you do them right, they're all painful. Can I get an amen, kids? That was a terrible amen. Bear in mind that I determine how far you run tomorrow. Can I get an amen, kids? You need a coach. This is what I'm saying. You need a coach. Uh, if you do the race right, you know, they're, they're all painful. And so, you know, uh, you know I, I coach kids, you know, we compete against kids, just young people. And if you're doing a long race, like, you know, 3,000 meters, like a two-mile race, uh, there are the kids who race, and then there are the kids who halfway through decide to just kind of finish. <laughs> Right? And, and you're like, well, God bless him. I, I know that. I know that look. Right? I know that, I know that jog. It's because, it's because you're in some legitimate pain. You know? And so the crowds, you know, good island crowds around here will start encouraging, like, not the really fast ones, but the ones who are just really struggling. But, well, because they need the extra encouragement. Right? It's like, way to go. Everybody gets applause when they pass. Uh, the grandstand, and, and every time I see that, I think, well, I mean, that's, that's life. You know, at a certain point, it's legitimately painful, and, and that's when you sort of face this challenge. Am I going to run as though to win, or am I just going to kind of shuffle it in? And life is like that, right? 
I think that's the attitude that, that Paul is preaching against here to the Corinthians. And it's convicting to me. It's convicting. Am I running to win or am I shuffling just to get this thing over with? Just to say that I held on. I think that's how, that's how it goes for most of us. All right, so we'll end uh, with the question that I started with. What does it take to win at life? That's a question I ask myself in different ways, like all the time. You know, what, is it, what does it take? What does it take for me to really be an excellent disciple? What does it take for me to be greatest of all? What does it take for me to be servant of all? What does it take for me uh, to, uh, to be strict and, and disciplined and, and, and to push through? What's it going to take for me uh, to, to win the trophy? I ask myself that question all the time. Why do I ask that question all the time? One, because I'm tempted all the time just to sort of start drifting. And two, because the answer is never really easy and clear-cut. I mean, it depends. It's going to be different for you than it is for me. It's going to be different for you today uh, than it was for you yesterday. It's just a question that we constantly need to be asking because life is an obstacle course. It's not just running a, a race from like A to B. It's running a race around a moving pylon with a spoon carrying an egg. I mean, it gets crazy, you know, and you're running next to people who are, who are trying to beat you and, you know, into submission. It's, it's interesting. You have to ask yourself that question a lot. What does it take, you know, for me to to win this thing. What does it even mean? What are my values? What exactly am I trying to accomplish? Am I accomplishing it or am I just moving my feet? Uh, so I don't know uh, what your answer is going to be. But I would like to suggest that to win you'll have to excel at certain types of things. And that's what this sermon series has been about. That's what we've been going through. Um, we uh, have listed some things, some types of things, not because, you know, there's one right list or complete list, but we've talked about certain things that Scripture mentions, you know. If you're going to really excel at life, excel at the faith journey, excel at discipleship, if you're going to follow Jesus as though to win through with Jesus, then you're going to have to learn, you know, to seek. And the essential skill of seeking is Come on, help, help a brother out here. The essential skill of seeking is? Honesty. Uh, it's honesty, particularly being honest with yourself uh, because the temptation when you're seeking is to, uh, is to not admit what you're seeing because it might be burdensome to you. It might challenge you uh, to be honest with yourself so that you can be honest about what you're learning. And then if you're, you know, if you have sought well, you're eventually going to encounter something to believe in. And the essential skill of believing is, that's a gimme, it's right there, is deciding. Like belief is really about decision. And, and what we do in life, the way we get stuck, the way we drift is that when we come to something that challenges, like what do you really believe in, we choose a policy of not deciding. And we can spend years not making firm decisions about things, can't we? The reason being we don't want to eliminate things. We don't want to eliminate options. We want to keep our options open. And that's, that's not how to run to win. That does not work. 
not if you're going to be an elite performer, an elite athlete, not if you're going to be a prize winner. Uh, and then, uh, you know, once you've decided that you're a believer, you've decided to eliminate options and to choose the option that Jesus has for you, the option of Jesus, the option of, of the things of Christ, well, then, then you've got to put your belief in action. And faith is not what you believe. Faith is what you do with what you believe. So the essential skill of faith is trying. Um, you've got to put motion uh, to, to, to what you've learned. As Jesus said, he who hears these commands of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on a rock. You have to practice what you've learned. You have to practice what you've decided. Otherwise, you will get stuck. You will drift. You will be, as Jesus says, like a man who builds his house on sand. It will last for a very short time only. And then there will be a great crash. Uh, once you've gotten the hang of the outworking of, of the life of faith, you're going to find that, that it forces you to to change, to survive. You're going to have to change and to grow constantly like a plant. A plant that is not growing is dying. And, and the same is true for human beings in the life of faith. You have to change constantly. Lots of, of self-evaluation, as Jesus says, salt yourself with fire. You don't want to judge other people, you know, but from time to time you want to take a good hard look at yourself and think, well, hey, how, how, how am I doing, actually? Not in a harsh judgmental sort of way, but in the same way that an athlete would do it. It's like, well, what can I improve? You know, because I want to be a prize winner. Paul's analogy, I think, applies really nicely. You know, we're not going to get discouraged and quit. We're going to constantly be improving, growing, healing, learning. And once you've gotten the hang of that, that's usually what we call discipleship, uh, then you want to change others, which is a very unpopular way to put it because we're supposed to accept everybody. Yes, accept everybody. Do not reject anybody, but realize that you are salt and light, that you're supposed to influence everybody for good. And what I want you guys to do in my life is to influence me for good. I have lots of people trying to influence me for bad. I have lots of people trying to reject me, lots of people trying to break me down, lots of people trying to criticize me literally to, to nothing. I also have lots of people trying to influence me for good, to change me, to spur me on uh, in the doing of good works. And that's really what church is, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a posse of momentum. So thank you for that. Turn to somebody right now and say, I got your back. Spur them on, which I think involves a sharp poke in the ribs, if I'm not mistaken. So let's see some spurring out there. Excellent. Blue water is just that kind of place. Fantastic. And once you get this stuff down, I mean, you're, you're getting down, you know, believing and faith and growing and helping others grow, and then you want to do that which is basic to the kingdom. The kingdom is like a mustard seed that grows to be the biggest tree in the garden. The kingdom is like a little piece of yeast that, that grows to, uh, to um, affect the entire loaf of bread. The kingdom grows, and what you want to do is multiply. You want to reproduce. You want to gather people into faith, right? You want to make that much difference. You want to illuminate the world as the light of the world. You want to flavor the whole dish like salt would, right? You want to influence people 
even who don't necessarily want to be influenced, but you want to feed people who are hungry for something they don't even know that they're hungry for, right? That's our main job. And then you want to do explosive kingdom growth. Uh, that's really what multiplication is about. And community begets community. You have to do that with others. You have to be in a community of faith in order to create other communities of faith. And so multiplication is what we talked about. All of this is wonderful. All of this is wonderful. But there's a separate skill at the end that you have to master, and it's the skill of endurance. It is the still skill of continuing on because, because the genius of any athlete is like the genius of any prize-winning disciple is not to do things once but to do things all the time until the finish and to never ever stop and to never ever give up. We went through all these different passages on endurance last week. You have to continue. And to do all of that, I think what Paul tells us is that, you know, you have to I mean, as coaches say to athletes all the time, I mean, you got to want it, right? You got to go for it. Uh, you got to stay on it. You have to know why you're doing it. You have to know why you're doing it. So let's end today with the meditation. Um, how are you running? How are you running? And what spirit are you running in? Take a moment. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak. Coach, how are we doing? How do we look? How's our form? How's our technique? How's our follow through? How's our fighting spirit? How are we as teammates? Convict us of where we've drifted and inspire us forward. Speak, Holy Spirit. Your disciples are listening. comes a point in every great race where the athlete has to decide that he or she can give a little more than they thought they could. And uh, I just feel like the Lord uh, speaking to me this morning that um, uh, there are some here that have discovered that life is requiring a little more than you thought yourself able to give. You know? That's the point of endurance. That's where uh, you have to decide that you're actually capable of greatness, that you're capable of prize winning. Do you know the point I'm talking about? It's like, wow, can I do this or not? Anyway, if you're at that point of decision, uh, the point where you're deciding if you're really capable enough to keep going, I don't know, stand where you are. I just feel like a little responsorial this morning that the Lord would like to honor you if you're willing to stand up under that and say, yeah, I want to race through to the prize. Go ahead. 
take a moment, do the thing. You've got a, you know, a troop around you who are really interested in you winning this thing. So go ahead and extend, uh, extend a hand of blessing uh, to the people around you. Maybe you want to politely lay a hand on, your shoulder, on their shoulders and, and just bless them with the gift. of powerful spiritual fellowship, teamwork. In the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters, be blessed. Go ahead and and, uh, speak a blessing to them, you Blue Water veterans, just everybody at once. A blessing of endurance, faith, and love. Whatever the Spirit brings to your heart, we're in this together after all. God love you guys. Yeah, you can do it. That's one thing you always say if you're a fan. Hey, you can do it. You got this. You got this. You can taste the prize. It's different than you thought, but it's nothing that you can't pull off.